lift up to you, Lord, those who have lost homes, those who have lost family members, and we ask your grace and peace to be upon them, both in the Philippines and here in Southern California, people who have experienced devastation in these quakes. Father God, care and tend for them, and may we be hands of mercy and resource to them as well by your grace. Amen. Amen. These things, the Lord reminded us, are signs. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 8 talks about how these kinds of evidences in the earth and around the earth are signs and labor pains. Have you seen the news reports about the the meteor or asteroid? Don't ask me to distinguish between the two. I readily admit I'm not an astronomy expert, but I know enough to know this. There were several of these rocks that fly through the solar system that were passing close to the earth in recent days. In fact, it happens all the time, but some of these were quite close. Hundreds of thousands of miles. It sounds like a great distance to us, but when you recognize that the moon is 250,000 miles away and that these rocks were coming within the perimeter of that orbit, in other words, right into our neighborhood, it's quite harrowing. Here's what's really surprising. One of them wasn't even really noticed or detected until it was whipping right past us, and it was the closest one of all. It was something, I think, like 40,000 miles away. Again, on a cosmic scale, on a celestial stage, that is a hair's breadth away. And on Friday, the Lord was reminding us that the word says these are signs of what is coming. In fact, there is a a headline in the Washington Post. I'm not necessarily recommending a paper. I just happened to see this headline that refers to that meteorite as a city killer. Interesting concept, isn't it? In Joshua chapter 6, we saw the destruction of a city by the reckoning of the Lord. It was called a city killer in the, in the Washington Post headline because if that rock would have hit the earth, it would have created a blast that was enough to, in an instant, wipe out a metropolitan region like L.A. Imagine that. You and me and the entire city gone in a moment just from a rock flying through space. And the Lord reminds us, our days are numbered. And it's not a warning that is intended to instill fear. It is a warning that is intended to instill wisdom. The word says, learn to number your days that you might gain a heart of wisdom. The word says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Consider that. Planting the seed of God's word into our hearts brings about a kind of protection, a kind of promise of righteousness, and it enlarges our heart in the best way. I think of that old Christmas story about the Grinch whose heart grew three sizes in one day when he had a reckoning that he needed. Big hearts, like Big Heart Farms, is not just about having lots of love. It's about recognizing the reality of the world in which we live and the limitation of our time here and the value of investing that time into the things of the Lord. Because there is a time coming when the days are over and the number is up. And where will we be? Will we be among people of blessing or among people of cursing? Joshua chapter 7 is really a story about, an episode about, a historical moment about blessing and cursing. It's a phrase that shows up again and again, not only in the Joshua generation. In fact, next week when we look at Joshua chapter 8, we'll be reminded that Joshua read the books of the law. He read all the words of the book of the law. And the chapter concludes by saying he read, read all that was there, blessing and cursing. Because what the Lord says is, I set before you two options 
a way of blessing or a way of cursing. Jesus Christ reminds us that God is a God of freedom and he brings freedom to people. There's a reason why Jesus says, whoever is set free by the Son is free indeed. God is about freedom. He himself is free, and he wants to bring freedom to people. But you and I need to recognize something. Freedom from God does not free us from responsibility. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. Being free people, people who have the opportunity to make choices because God has given us life and given us freedom means being people of responsibility. If you're free to make choices, it means you're responsible for the choices you make. And what God says is, behold, you can choose blessing. It's in me, it's of me. If you will receive my word and be my people and be with me, my blessing will be yours and you will live in blessing. And not only will you receive blessing, but like those ripples of waves, like those seismic waves through the earth, you will be a blessing. It will reach beyond your boundaries and borders and perimeters. But you also have before you cursing. And if you choose that, then not only do you choose to come under the curse that always arrives when you isolate yourself from me, the Lord, but you also become a curse. In other words, our choices matter beyond just us. Every person here that's a part of PCF, the choices you make in your heart affect everyone else in the community. As a church, our choices affect our city. We have the opportunity to bless our city in ways that the city doesn't even know it needs to be blessed. But we also have the potential to curse our city if, in choosing our own way, we stray away from God, then we bring cursing into the world around us. Blessing and cursing. God makes it clear, choose the blessing. Choose life that you may live. But God also makes it clear, he won't force you into that life. He gives you and I a choice. And if you say, well, I've chosen to follow Jesus, remember that choosing to follow Jesus means making that choice afresh and anew every day. Even as the word spoke to us, the Sister Hazel, this morning, today's a fresh new day, a fresh new opportunity. And with each day, we have that choice before us. In fact, we have a universe of choices in front of us every day, don't we? And maybe not every choice is that pivotal. I suppose that God is not particularly concerned whether you choose corn or beans as your side tonight. But there are everyday choices that will be either blessing or cursing in our lives and in our world. There's no day that you and I spend on this earth where we don't have those choices in front of us. Some days we may fill the day with both blessing and cursing, and the Lord knows that reality. But what we need to recognize is there's a harvest that comes from that. Everything we do, every thought we think, every word we say is a seed we're sowing into the earth. And there's a harvest that comes from those things. So we look at Joshua chapter 7 to see a distinction between people who choose blessing and people who choose cursing. Why would anyone choose cursing? Why would anyone make that choice? Well, sometimes it's because what they're really choosing is their own will. Achan is a man who was part of the Joshua generation. He was there to see the things that happened that you and I have studied in this series. He knew the themes of the book of Joshua as well as you or I do because he lived them. 
He knew that he was living in a time of transition. Achan was a member of the Joshua generation, that generation that succeeded the generation of Moses, the generation that God was with. But they actually were often, those Moses people, people of cursing. They cursed their leader Moses. They cursed the Lord. And yet the Lord did not forsake them. He remained with them, but he also said, you won't enter into the promise. Because you have set yourself in that way and said those things and lived under that curse, you die in the desert. The next generation, the transition, was to a Joshua generation. And Achan was part of it. Achan was part of those people who recognized there was a divine call to conquer and claim the promised land. That God was saying, occupy the promise. Enter into what I've called you to. And where you are there in it and you're standing on it, Live in obedience. There was a call not only to occupy, but to obey. Will you turn to the person next to you and say, there's a call to obey today? Something about that just doesn't sound that fun, does it? There's a call to obey today. It just Something within us just bridles at that. It bristles at that. In fact, the term bridle refers to the idea of an animal being you know, under a harness. Well, don't rein me in. Remember that, uh, I can't even remember exactly the, the lyric of that Linda Ronstadt song about uh, march, to the, march to the beat of a different drum, but she says in there, no, one's, no person, place, or thing is going to pull the reins in on me. That's, that's such a human sensibility, isn't it? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me where to go. But what God is calling us to is to obey. And so deep within our hearts... There is a disposition that struggles with that. Struggles the way Jacob wrestled with the Lord. Struggles maybe the way Saul, breathing murderous threats in the New Testament against the believers in Christ, was on his way to Damascus to see those people killed. And Jesus Christ himself encountered Saul on that road and said, Saul, Saul, it's difficult for you to kick against the goads. It's difficult when you go against the harness that I want to put upon you. But why is God so interested in controlling us? Didn't you say, you might say to me, Pastor, didn't you say that God is a God of freedom? Yes, but true freedom is found in obedience to him. Amen. It's one of those dichotomies of the Lord. One of those challenges in which something seems like a constraint, but it's really a blessing. Whereas the things that look like freedom to us often become bondages and curses. So, Lord, as we come to your word today, we ask that you would reveal to us those ways in which you want to free us from bondage and release us into blessing. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us the strength as we hear your word to apply it to those places where we might be resistant to you. Anywhere in our heart that could be hidden from you, we ask, Lord, you'd reveal it now that we might live in your blessing and your freedom. Amen. This week, I went to the dentist, speaking of things that we might tend to resist, but it's a blessing. I'm grateful that I have good health care. I am grateful that I have a good doctor. And in fact, I have a great dentist, and I saw not only my dentist, but my endodontist. And I have a wonderful endodontist, but I didn't have wonderful news from him this week. He said, you know what? You have a genetic disposition. This comes down a family line. And it's towards harboring a certain kind of bacteria. This may be more info about me than you want to know, but you're getting it today. It's a full disclosure message, so you're getting some disclosure from me. 
It, it just so happens that some people have a genetic disposition to a certain kind of gum disease. There's something called anaerobic bacteria. That means they survive in a place without oxygen or where they don't have a regular oxygen flow. And this is problematic because no amount of cleaning can get to it. In fact, I always, I always hear this from the dentist. Oh, your teeth are wonderfully clean. You do a great job of cleaning. I wish more patients would clean like you. Unfortunately, you have this terrible bacteria that we can't get to. And you think, what's that? Well, here's the reality. There are things, as we've talked about in recent weeks in this series of message, things that come down to you that weaken you or make you susceptible or vulnerable. It just comes down a genetic line. And so what the endodontist was telling me was the only way to deal with this, a hygienist's tools can't get to it because it's buried underneath the gum line. We have to make incisions and expose the bone and then we remove that bacteria. I know it makes you squirm in your seat, doesn't it? Imagine my feeling. And not only was it a kick in the teeth, so to speak, because it didn't feel great, although he was wonderful and he made it as good as it could be, but you know, how good can it get, right? But it was also a kick in the pocketbook because when I saw my, my, my copay on that, after the insurance does their dance, you somehow go, wait a minute, what did they pay? I feel like I'm paying this whole thing. Do you ever feel that way? Well, it was a big ticket item, let me tell you. You go, wow, I didn't realize I should be driving my teeth around with this. It was costly and painful, but the alternative is even though I couldn't really feel it and it didn't cause me any pain, I, I didn't have any particular symptoms, it's only something that could be discovered through x-ray and the eye of an expert. But what he said was that bacteria is there and as your bloodstream goes through it, it carries it through your whole body. There's a, a, a lot of research on this that, that fully indicates that your oral health in that regard is tied directly to things like the instance of heart disease, and stroke and ischemia, even cancer rates are increased when that bacteria remains. In other words, you can't see it and it's not causing you any discomfort, but it could be killing you over time. And the only way to deal with that is to uncover it and get it out Amen. in order to bring health. Amen. Well, I realized as this was going on and I was sitting there going, Lord, I'd rather be somewhere else not having this done. The Lord made me aware this is a blessing don't curse it and don't ignore it. Receive it. He also reminded me, hey, I'm giving you an illustration for this weekend. Because <laughs> as I was sitting there in the dental chair having the oral surgery, I realized this is not so far removed from the problem of Achan, who took something and buried it. And even though no one could see it and no one else knew it was there, the great physician, God, said that disease is going through the whole body. Do you know that the blood that goes through your mouth, that's in your gums and everything, it travels through your entire body in one minute? If you took all of the blood vessels of your body and laid them out end to end, I don't know how far it is. I, I don't even have a, a guess about it, but I know it's some, it's some amazing uh, long amount. And yet your blood runs through that entire body in one minute. And what that means is that if there is something like bacteria or something viral in the blood or some bit of cancer cells, it's going all over the body in that short amount of time. The sin of Achan, in which he took something that belonged to God and hid it for himself because he felt that it had more value for him and he preferred to hold on to it rather than to give it over to God in obedience. That sin coursed through the whole body of that nation so that the Lord recognized that unless they dealt with that sin, exposed it and removed it, then God himself would abandon them. He makes that claim. For you and I, it's important to recognize 
that not only is our health operating in this way in a physical sense, but our spiritual health operates this way in the spiritual realm as well. In other words, when you and I harbor sin, when you and I harbor disobedience, when you and I have buried within us anything that resists the way of God, where we hold on to something that God has said, you need to give that over to me, where we hold back from something where God has said, you need to enter into that, when we fail to do something that God has said you need to do, when we keep on doing something that God says you need to stop doing that, if we think that just because no one else knows but God that we're getting away with something, we've totally missed the message of Achan and we're totally missing out on the blessing of a Joshua generation because what we're really doing is hiding illness within us. We're putting sickness in our spirit deep down and it ends up affecting not only us but our entire world the body of our church, the body of our city, the body of our world. These people who had seen such victory in Jericho, in Joshua chapter 6, as we looked at last week, are about to come to a much lesser city, a city that they should be able to easily conquer. And yet, because of that sin that is buried, their blessing gets buried too until the cursing is revealed and the cleansing of God is accomplished. Here's something ironic. Sometimes the greatest victory in our lives, the times when we really recognize that the Lord is at work in and through us and the walls come tumbling, tumbling down, sometimes those are the moments where the next step is where we falter, where the next thing we suddenly say, Lord, what happened? Where did you go? Why this? Why now? But it may be that that is the Lord's way of taking us deeper into him and digging deeper into the places where it might be unpleasant to hear and it might be costly to face. But the reality is we need to cut this open, get in deep to the places where something is harbored that needs to be healed. So it is that in Achan and Joshua we see Blessing and cursing. Someone who is willing and ready to open their life to the Lord, which is Joshua, versus someone who's trying to hide things from the Lord, which is Achan. And the results of that bear out for all the people. Achan buries the blessing that he finds in Jericho. He finds valuable objects. He finds monies. And he hides them by burying them in his tent. And even though no one else knows except for Achan and his family, because dad can't come home and bury something in the middle of the tent without mom and the kids finding out as well. So the whole household is implicated in this, but nobody else knows except the Lord, who ultimately says the whole nation has come under the curse of sin because of this one man. And therefore, it needs to be uncovered, and that man needs to face the fire, the refiner's fire that will purge and purify the nation. Here's the reality. God sees all. God, the great physician, comes in with x-ray vision and says, even though you don't feel it, even though you might not want to face it, here's something deep within you that needs to be taken out. It's tempting to think that since we live in a world where we can't generally see God, that means he can't see us. Do you know, when I was serving as a preschool pastor, I uh, did a lot of study on early childhood development, and I discovered that there's a developmental stage in young children in which they think if they can't see you, you can't see them. This is the stage when little toddlers will hide by doing this. It's laughable. It's also utterly human. And there's a world of billions of people doing this. I can't see God, so he can't see me. But it's as laughable in its way to God as it is for us to see a little child trying to hide that way. 
except that the stakes are too high for it to be funny. It's tragic. But the reality is God wants to open our eyes and show us the truth. Nevertheless, if we think that we can bury things from God and not have to deal with them, Galatians 6, 7 reminds us God is not mocked. Whatever we are putting into the ground is going to be what we're gathering out of the ground. The seed that we sow determines the fruit that we reap. So in a year of fruitfulness, sow unto the Spirit. How is it that Achan was not aware and the Lord held him and his household responsible? Well, first of all, the, the, the Lord held them responsible because they had heard the word. Deuteronomy 7, actually during the days of Moses, is where you will see that the Lord declared, when you, Israel, go into this land that I promised you, when you have the victory over, the, over these tribes that are nations that are bigger and stronger than you, and I deliver them into your hand, you must destroy them totally. Don't make any treaty with them. We're going to have to come back to that subject in a couple of weeks because Israel falters on that regard too. Don't show them mercy. Don't intermarry with them because they will lead your children astray. You see, what the Lord is trying to protect them from here is sin. Now, you and I, we often tend to think of sin in what is called the uh, forensic model. That's a fancy way of saying we think of it in legal terms. In other words, sin is like a crime. God is like the judge. And if we break the law, we have committed a crime and we're guilty of sin. Now, this is a model that is accurate in its way, but it doesn't describe everything about sin. It's one way of looking at sin. There are other ways of looking at sin. For instance, there is a model for looking at sin that is pecuniary or fiduciary. In other words, a financial way of thinking of it. Sin is a debt that you and I couldn't pay. And God is the one who pays off our sin debt. Here... In today's message, I'd like us to adopt another way of thinking about sin, which is a medicinal or medical way of thinking about sin, where sin is a disease. And so what the Lord is saying is, don't intermingle with those who are infected. What Deuteronomy 7 is talking about is, is a, a, a way of creating a safe boundary or barrier for the people of God a way in which he is trying to prevent them from being infected by idolatry. In the same way that a surgeon goes in and says uh, in the surgery of a body, we want to remove all the cancerous cells. Don't leave any of those cancerous cells behind because if any of them remain, that can spread to the whole body. That's the message here. It's not God being cruel or uncaring. It's God saying there is a need to create this healing barrier or boundary. So don't intermarry with them. Don't make treaties with them. Don't allow them to live. Break down the altars. Break down the stones. Pull down their idolatrous poles. Because God's chosen you to be a holy people. Hear that as God has chosen you to be healthy and whole in Him. Not because you're great and strong, but because He loved you and keeps His promises. He's the faithful God who keeps promises from generation to generation to generation. The blessing goes down the family line, but so does the cursing. And the Lord says, I will surely face off against those who, who disobey me and repay them to their face for that. So take care to follow the ways of the Lord so that you'll be blessed more than any other people and you'll be fruitful. 
That's what the Lord wants for people. He doesn't desire that any should perish, but that all should come to life, and that more abundantly. When you see, the Lord says to them, these valuable idols, because these idols in ancient times, they were made with treasure and valuable uh, uh, quantities of, of precious metals and jewels and so forth. He said, don't, don't covet that. Don't covet the silver and gold. Don't take it for yourselves. Yes, it was to be brought into the treasury of God. And some people might think that reflects God's greed. Make no mistake, what God was saying is, anything you bring to me, I can purify. But if you hold on to it yourself, if you take that detestable thing into your household, not only will you be ensnared by it, but you'll bring your whole household down. You'll bring your whole nation down. And you will be set apart for the destruction that was upon it. In other words, when you and I align ourselves with God, the blessing that is him comes to us. But when we disobey God, we align ourselves with the cursing that comes to anything that is not given over to God. That was the sin of Achan. He saw valuable things when they went in. This is the Achan who saw the, who saw the Jordan River parted by the Lord and followed the Ark of the Covenant across it. This is the same man who would have marched around Jericho and raised up his voice at the right time, celebrating the Lord as the walls came tumbling down. This Achan went into the city with sword in hand to wipe out the people who were under the ban of the Lord and to receive the victory. And that man who had seen so much of God's goodness to him, still, when he saw something he preferred more, something shiny and bright, good to the eyes, satisfying to the lust of his flesh, he laid hold of it and thought, I can hide this from God because I can hide it from people. Listen, you can hide things from people. You cannot, you can even hide things from yourself. You know that? Is there anything that you locked away a long time ago in you that you've convinced yourself isn't even an issue anymore? God knows it's there. And what the Lord says is, just like a body with an infection, the fire of the fever of God is going to come on that body to burn that out. The point of a fever is to raise the temperature of your body to the place where that infection can't survive. The danger, though, is if you don't take the right steps, the warning of that fever is going to become your death because a fever can kill. So the fire of the Lord's anger burns against all Israel because of the sin of Achan. I have a question for you this morning. It was a question I raised in the Friday night message. What's in your heart today? Your word, O oh Lord, I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's a seed of blessing. But anywhere we have things embedded in our heart, unforgiveness, anywhere where we are plotting our own way, anywhere we are holding on to our own will at the expense of yielding to God, is that in our heart today? It's an important analysis to make because it doesn't just affect you. It affects your marriage. It affects your children. It affects your roommates, your classmates, your colleagues, your co-workers, your employees, your boss, your church, your city, your world. God has made you powerful and given you an option. Power to bless or power to curse. 
Your power comes from him and you and I, we answer to him for how we use it. What's in our hearts today? Because whatever is in our hearts, that is the harvest that we will reap. There's two ways that we can deal with it. One is we can uncover it to the Lord now. God is a gracious God. He says, I detect something in you that you weren't aware of, but it needs to be dealt with. Now it's up to you. Will you let me do this? I had that experience with my endodontist this week. Not only was I not thrilled about going through the procedure, but I knew it was wise to do it. But I also wasn't actually honestly sure how I was going to pay for it because it was so expensive. My endodontist, this wonderful man, he said, you know what? I recognize that as a challenge for you. I want to waive my fee. Isn't that wonderful? I would say his name, but I don't want to make him beholden to doing that for all of his patients. But I know who he is, and the Lord knows who he is, and I'm grateful to them both for his having done that. I said, oh, doctor, I don't want to do that from you. I, mean, I don't want to take money out of your pocket. He said, no, 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 listen, this is important. You need to have it done. You're a good patient. I want to help. What a blessing that is. And that's like the Lord. God says, I want to help. I've paid the cost. I paid it out of my own pocket. I paid it out of my own heart. My heart broke for you. My blood poured out for you. The blood of the Son of God paid our price. And now God says, now will you let me in to that deep place where I can bring cleansing. And this is the time to do it when you can reap the benefit. Because the other alternative is to resist that and wait for the day when it's laid open before all the world. Because that's what will ultimately happen. You can't trust yourself to know your own heart. My translation of the Hebrew in Jeremiah 17 is made in an attempt to bring to you the most literal rendering of it that I could. The heart is more crooked than any other thing. It is mortally ill. You see that, that medicinal idea of sin here. The heart is actually diseased by sin. So who can actually know what's in their heart? Not a single one of us unless the Lord Amen. is the one who is investigating our heart. And the Lord, Yahweh, the I am, says that's what I am doing. I am investigating the heart, testing the kidneys. It's an ancient Near Eastern way of saying testing your inner place where you make decisions, where you experience emotions, where the essence of you is. I'm looking at that all the time. No one else can see it, but I see it. Amen. I know it. And I judge to give to each person according to their inner heart and the fruit of their outer actions. God looks upon the heart. And what he's looking for is someone whose heart is given over to him. Acts 13 refers back to when God said about David, King David of old, I found a man after my own heart. What does that mean? It means he will do everything I want him to do. You know what it means? Obedience. There's a call to obey today. Obey what the Lord shows you. Obey the word of the Lord. Obey the spirit of the Lord so that you may be blessed and helped and healed and protected. But... The alternative is to be someone like Achan, who says, I'm willing to forego and pass on all of that. I'd rather have this treasure now. And what happens is it affects the whole nation. So here, Joshua and the Israelites come up against the city Ai, which is a small city compared to Jericho. And they say, hey, we can conquer this easily. We'll send 3,000 men and no problem. The Lord is with us. But 
There is a problem. There's a big problem. The little city of Ai is a big problem. And 36 of the Israelite troops are killed. All of the Israelite troops are sent running. And the leaders of Israel, Joshua and the other leaders, fall on their face on the ground saying, Lord, what happened? Well, we thought you were with us. You said, don't be afraid. You said you'd give us victory. What happened? We're losing. And the Lord says, get up. What are you doing? It's not my fault. There's sin in the camp. You don't have to grovel and beg. You just need to find the sin and route it out. You just need to make an uncovering. You know, sometimes we spend so much time saying to the Lord, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? And the Lord says, saying to us, get up and get busy unveiling what is hidden in you. Why don't we really deal with that? Instead of weeping and moaning, let's find the place Amen. of cursing and remove it and get you into the blessing that I've promised. Because if you don't, I will not be with you anymore, says the Lord to Israel, unless you destroy what is devoted to destruction. There's a sign for us in this, which is sin separates us from God. Now, God says, I'm greater than sin and I'll heal you of sin. But if you and I choose to harbor sin, we choose to separate ourselves from God. And in doing so, that manifests in our lives beyond us. So the Lord says, here's what you need to do. Bring every tribe. Remember the 12 tribes of Israel? Bring every tribe in front of me. They're going to use most likely the Urim and Thummim, the, 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 um, the mysterious methodology by which they sort of cast lots so that as options were brought before the Lord, there was an indicator, the Lord chooses this one. So the tribes were brought until the tribe was chosen. And then in the tribe, the various clans were brought until the specific clan was chosen. And then every man in that clan was brought before the Lord until the man was chosen. And it was clear that Achan was the one who was uncovered. In this manner, the sin of Achan was uncovered. And the Lord said, whoever is caught with these things that were devoted to destruction will be brought under destruction themselves, them and their whole household. God brings the truth out to light. God reveals our hearts. Jesus put it this way, brothers and sisters. There's nothing that is hidden that won't be disclosed. Listen to Jesus who says there is nothing concealed, nothing that won't be brought out into the open. You know, when you hear about cold cases and murders that haven't been solved for decades, the Lord knows and there is nothing that will not be brought to light. No lie. No sin. No cheat. Nothing. So that's the choice we have. To come to the God who heals us now so that we can deal with our sin. So that we need have no fear of that revelation. Or keep on hiding. And recognize that in the end it will be brought to the truth. And those who hide in that way will have to face the consequence of the destruction that comes. Whoever has been given will be given more, says Jesus, but whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. Luke chapter 8. So it was with Achan. Achan, who through the whole process, all day long, as tribes and clans and men are brought before, is sitting there thinking, maybe I can get away with it. Maybe I can get away with it. And doesn't confess until the last moment when there's no other doubt, when he's standing there and everything is brought out from his tent. 
Because he admits it then. He says, yes, I saw this beautiful Babylonian robe. I saw 200 shekels of silver. I saw a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I wanted them. I coveted them. I took them and I buried them in my home. I buried them under my family. My family hid them with me. And so those things were dug up and brought out and laid before the entire assembly. The Lord will bring trouble on you today. That was Joshua's word to Achan. A man whose name means troubler. They stoned him and his family. And then they burned them. And they heaped a large pile of rocks on top of them. Sometimes when we hear these things, we think, this is grisly. How can the Lord do such a thing? If I told you there was a man who took a knife and cut into the body of this other man and removed great hunks of his flesh, you would say, what a, what a cruel man. But if I told you that man was a surgeon who was removing a cancerous tumor, you would recognize that man did a blessing. Yes. And that's what the Lord is doing here. The great surgeon is performing a removal. It's tragic that such a thing existed, but it's not the fault of God. And you say, well, what fault did the family have? As I say, the implication is that the family was aware. But you and I need to recognize something else. Our actions have consequences beyond us. Is it the fault of a three-year-old who grows up in the home of a smoker that that three-year-old is exposed to secondhand smoke? It's not their fault, but it is a reality. Is it the fault of someone who is raised in an abusive home that their parents yell and scream and hit and beat them? It's not their fault, but the reality is people who are raised that way often end up doing it to their children. What the Lord makes clear is your choices affect beyond you. And God makes a way of blessing available. God is a breathtaking God. Literally. He who gave breath he is entitled to take it. And when he says, the best thing I can do in this moment is to remove this person from life, then it is the Lord's to do that. Now, the other reality is, this was during an extraordinary era in the kingdom of God, when God was working closely with his people Israel to establish a demonstration for all the world. You and I are God's people today he is working closely with us. Israel remains God's chosen land and God's chosen people. But he has expanded that promise and blessing to all of us. And you and I have been called by the Lord not to bring judgment to people, but to bring blessing. And yet, that blessing cannot be properly put into context unless you and I make people aware of the danger of the disease of sin. Yes. But when we bring that message of God's good news... We also let them know sin can be dealt with. The glorious thing is all of us, all of us can be made clean and right Amen. in the Lord. Lord, today we ask that you would deal with us within our hearts. We lift our hearts up to you, Lord. And the reality is all of us have things that we have hidden there over time. Let those things be laid bare before you now. If there's anything we've forgotten, if there's anything we've denied, if there's anything we've run from, Lord, we ask that you would call us to face it now so that we could see you remove it now. Heal it. Deal with it. 
Wherever, Lord, there is something that we have held back from you and you are saying to us, I want you to give that up. It's become too precious. You value it over your, your valuing of me. We ask that you would give us the grace to see that and the strength to do it. If there is something that you've called us to give, maybe there's a pattern of tithes and offering that we have resisted and held back from in you. And what you're saying is there's blessing I want to pour out, but you, you're burying that blessing because you're resisting my prompting. Lord, we ask that you would enable us to give that over to you today. Maybe there's something, Lord, where you have spoken and you've said to us, I know I want you to stop that. You need to stop that behavior. You need to stop bringing that into your home through your cable box, through your internet connection, through Netflix or Prime Video. Stop bringing that into your home. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a substance. Maybe it's not something we're bringing into our home so much as something we're bringing into our body. And we've become entrapped and ensnared by it. The bottle of liquor, the pills the doctor prescribed for something else, but now we're using them to get by. Maybe it's some relationship that you say to us, it's time to come back and heal that. It was broken. It's time to forgive, but we've resisted it. Maybe it's a relationship that you say it's time to end that and move away. That person is not healthy for you. Maybe it is something entirely unrelated to any of these things I've prayed, but Lord, touch our hearts now to make us aware of where the issues are that could infect us, that could distract us, that could damage and curse us or be a cursing to people around us. Lord, here at PCF, we, we ask, may the heart of PCF be open to you. May everything that we are be open and available to you as a community of people so that we could bring blessing to our city and not cursing, so that we could bring life to our city in you, from you, through you, for you. And friend, if you're out there praying along with me and what you've held back from the Lord is your own life or your own heart, just give that to him now. Make that your prayer. Lord, I give you my heart. Jesus, cleanse me of my sins. Secure me in your household. Give me life in your body. Show me who I'm meant to be. I, I trust in you as my Savior, that you would forgive my sins and give me life. And Lord, I pray for anyone who's prayed that now, either today or any time that these words are heard or seen, that you would help them to become rooted among your people, washed in the baptism of water and the baptism of fire that is your Holy Spirit, a fire that we can face because of your grace and that fills us with fuel and power for living out the life of eternity that you have granted to us starting here and now today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.